This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. You're with Julian Ng and Joyce Go, and we're discussing the major business headlines today. So Joe Lowe has been charged in absentia by, uh, well, the KL Magistrate Court has allowed him to be charged for money laundering and criminal breach of trust, 1.3 billion US dollars. Yeah, so the KL Magistrate Court yesterday has allowed for the arrest and detention of Joe Lowe and four others closely linked to the 1MDB case. And uh, prosecutors have also obtained arrest warrants for the five which could mean that Malaysia may need to ask for Interpol's help to find and arrest them. So alongside Jolo, the other four are former 1MDB Executive Director of Finance, Terence Gay. There's also former 1MDB Executive Director and Business of the Business Development, Casey Tang. Also 1MDB Legal Counsel, Jasmine Liu and Eric Tan Kim Loon. That's a close aide of Jolo's, who is the beneficial owner of several overseas bank accounts where billions of dollars from 1MDB was laundered and siphoned out. That includes Julian, the infamous 620 million US dollars that went into the account of uh, Dato Sri Nigel Raza in 2013. Yeah, Joyce, I think previously there was a rumor that Eric Tan Kim Loon was uh, not a real person, a fake person to uh, as like a body, a cover like a cover for Jolo, for Jolo right? Yeah, uh, but he's so real. He's, he's real. real. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, one or two of these people, including Casey Tang and Jasmine Liu, was part of a Bang Nagara's wanted list uh, way back in July 2015. Yeah, 2015 till now, but you know, no one can find. Them, right, and uh, back in twenty in March twenty seventeen, the finance ministry has said that both individuals, this is uh, Casey Tang and Jasmine Lu, were dropped from Bank Nagara's observation list, saying that the investigations against them has concluded and a fine has been issued. But you know, this was during the time of uh, uh, the BN government. Exactly, That's somewhat the newspapers are saying. So, some details of the charges, Julian. What do we have? Um, so uh, he was charged with money laundering, uh, totaling about one billion US uh, in relation to Gold Star, and then Joe Lowe and his doppelganger Eric Tan uh, also jointly charged with money laundering, about one hundred and twenty-six million. Pretty small compared to the one billion. <laughs> uh, Terence Gay, a CBT of one twenty-five million, and Casey Tang is the other big one, uh, charged with CBT of about seven hundred million US dollars. All these are in US dollars. Well, uh, well, Jolo has apparently responded to the new charges brought against him yesterday via statement, claiming that the charges are a trial by media and a and are a political uh, reprisals by the Pakatan Harapan government. And the statement, I think, was given by an unnamed spokesman of Jolo's and issued via an Australian PR firm, Wells Heslam Mayhem Strategic Public Affairs. So the statement actually fingers Mahate uh, in saying that uh, he's trying to create a false sense of security and to distract the public from the failures on the current issues, disregard for rule of laws and international misinterpretation of the constitution. Um, and Joe Lowe actually maintains his innocence. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this uh, kind of ac- accusation doesn't hold a lot of water because apart from Malaysia, you know, there are six other, at least six other countries in the world who are charging Joe Lowe. And the last time we checked as well, uh, the main um, uh, 
accuser is the DOJ of the US. And last time we checked, we don't see the DOJ being involved in Malaysian politics and Malaysian elections, right? Well, yeah, because Jola, when he, because uh, his statement says maintaining his innocence, right? He says that he will not submit to any jurisdiction where guilt has been predetermined by politics and there is no independent legal process. And he also says that he claims that he cannot get a fair trial in Malaysia. But as you mentioned, Julian, he is still being investigated in six countries and the US DOJ, I believe back in early November, has also indicted Jolo along with Roger Ng on multiple criminal charges related to the 1MDB scandal. And in related uh, news, uh, PAC was told by Amrin Buang that uh, the 1MDB report was not altered. Joyce, what is all this about? Yeah, he's saying that it was merely a draft. So the Public Accounts Committee was said to be uh, told by former Auditor General who had signed off on the final 1MDB report that 10 changes were made in the draft and this is due to certain developments as certain developments had allowed for it to be removed and um, this information was irrelevant and made no effect towards the probe and uh, a source with NST says that you know throughout the four hour long proceedings Amrin had continued to maintain that there's no other version of the final report denying that he was being influenced by anyone or any groups. Now, the next big headline, Joyce, is that Firefly has suspended all its flights to Singapore. Yeah, it, actually, that's quite a, a lucrative flight, uh, part, yes. uh, route for them, right? And um, so Firefly has suspended all its flights to Singapore as it has yet to receive an approval from the Civil Aviation Authority of Malaysia to operate at Salata Airport in Singapore. So this uh, Civil Aviation Authority was formerly the Department of Civil Aviation. So this um, interesting because this is not Singapore stopping. It's not about rivalry, right? Not, not about Singapore stopping, but on the Malaysia side, uh, basically stopping the flights into Singapore. Uh, we actually have a clip here of a statement from Transport Minister Anthony Luke, uh, who said that the usage of the Slata Airport in Singapore will affect development in Pase Gudang, which is about two kilometres away. The issue of Pasir Gudang is the descent. The Seletar Airport is very near to Pasir Gudang. Once you descend, the aircraft have to fly very low over Pasir Gudang airspace. And that will have a negative impact on the future development of Pasir Gudang. We can't build tall buildings over Pasir Gudang if we allow that flat path. In fact, there are currently some tall buildings above the limit over Pasir Gudang. So it's technically not viable for that flat path to be allowed. And that was Transport Minister Anthony Luke. However, he said that uh, the uh, CAAM, which is uh, you know the new name for the DCA, the, mm -hmm. the, the Civil Aviation Authority, mm -hmm. and they were unaware of the new Seletar Airport's uh, um, ILS, which would encroach into the Malaysian airspace uh, in the early stages of the development, as the Singapore authorities have never spoke to CAAM before this. Yeah, and the issue just recently came up, I think, when uh, the December 1st deadline of uh, Firefly's uh, scheduled relocation came out. I think because Firefly usually flies from uh, like from K Subang to Changi, right? So now they're moving, they have to fly, I think, the propeller planes land in Salata instead of Changi. So that's when this relocation came out, December 1st. Meanwhile, the Singapore side has a uh, response. Uh, Kor Boon Wan has expressed surprise at the move uh, claiming Salata's operation has been that way for years. 
Malaysian side listed their concerns over the proposed procedure, which is kind of strange because the procedures essentially just align with the existing flight. But this is not a new airport. Serita Airport has been around for decades and there has always been flights up north. So the procedures take into account existing entities in Pasigudang, for example, so that you can avoid them and so on. That was the response of Singapore's Transport Minister, Kor Boon Wan. What else is there in this uh, story, Joyce? Well, I think moving forward, I think Malaysia will file a diplomatic protest to Singapore and would request for the ILS to guide the aircraft from a different route. Uh, Firefly, I think, will shift its operations from Changi Airport to Salata once approval has been given by CAAM. But there is no indication when this would be. I think for now, I think Malaysia Airlines has said that the 13,000 flight bookings by Firefly will be affected by this temporary suspension and the affected passengers have the option to relocate onto other Malaysian Airlines flights or seek a refund. So there's a lot of money here because this is one of the busiest flights mm. in the world, right? Not not only in Malaysia, the but route, in the yeah. world. Um, Singapore KL, over 30,000 flights a year compared to uh, Hong Kong, Taipei, 28,000 flights and Singapore, Jakarta, 27,000 flights. Actually, for Firefly, the KL Singapore route is their second most lucrative route. Currently, Firefly offers about 20 daily flights at Changi Airport 2 and from Subang, uh, Ipoh and Kuantan. So uh, KL Singapore, definitely the biggest, uh, the busiest route when it comes to for airlines. Uh, looking at the second busiest route for Malaysia, that's the Jakarta KL. That's the second busiest with 20,000 flights. Why Salata though? What's the difference between Salata and Changi? Apparently Salata is a, a more like low budget uh, low budget and and uh, it's supposed to Salata is meant to handle all scheduled turboprop flights in Singapore and I think the departure area will house four check-in counters six immigration lanes two security screening stations and a gate hold room that can accommodate 200 passengers so I guess just more efficient I guess more efficient flow of uh, for passengers and for airlines right 854 and the saga continues to unfold in Tabung Haji because an SPV is going to be set up uh, to buy their underperforming assets. Yeah, so this is according to sources speaking to The Edge and uh, Tabung Haji is believed to have around 80 cent in assets for every ringgit of liabilities. So the move will enable Tabung Haji to narrow the gap between its assets and liabilities. Um, this is quite crucial because in a normal business, if you're a healthy business, you must have more assets assets and liabilities, but Tabung Haji is the other way around. They have more liabilities than assets. And the question is whether they can uh, cover that uh, to, for example, pay dividends, bonus, and so on, because there is a Tabung Haji, Haji Act, right? Mm. Uh, and it uh, prohibits them from paying dividends uh, and bonuses if assets are less than liabilities. Well, Julian, interestingly, Tabung Haji's previous management continued to pay dividends in recent years. Sources speaking to the Edge say that profits were in Inflated to justify paying dividends. And uh, in February, Tabong Haji declared a dividend of 4.25% for 2017, although it has yet to release its 2017 accounts. So I, I don't know whether people, I, I mean, it's fair and good that you can set up an SPV to buy over the assets. But uh, as we all know, that Tabong Haji has been uh, doing very badly. I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of losses. Uh, what do you think of this, even if the SPV was set up and, and they're going to issue Sukuk for this? right to buy yeah. over would people uh, is it worth it to actually invest in these well assets? these are for underperforming 
assets at book value. So if you're an investor and you see potential in these assets, you think, oh yeah, I can turn around the assets or eventually. It depends on your risk appetite as well. Like uh, for banks, I understand there's a, sometimes they sell their bad loans at a discounted rate. And for investors who want to buy into that and think that they can turn that around and they see value in that investment, why not? So there's a price for everything, right? Yes. Like if the, the, the price of an asset has gone low enough, uh, there's some people who specialize in the, the trading or the investing or mm or even the speculation of such assets, they would buy it at very low price. In fact, uh, 20 years ago during the Asian financial crisis, the government actually set up Danahata National to buy over the non-performing loans of banks. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, an example that I guess uh, Tabong Haji could follow. And I think there's also developments to say that you know Tabong Haji's pilgrims management operations will be separated from its deposit-taking operations during this plan so that you know they can be supervised, the deposit-taking operations can be supervised by Bank Negara Malaysia, which currently actually the central bank has no regulatory oversight of Tabong Haji. And uh, I think, in fact, that Bank Negara uh, had already said that they, they need to change management and, and the management has changed now. Uh, the company has been really beleaguered, 2.7 billion uh, losses in uh, Tabung Haji's uh, stable of assets. Uh, we'll be coming back to look at uh, what's happening on Bursa Malaysia after the 9 a.m. news, BFM 89.9. Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.